What's going on, guys? Welcome to our live Thursday workshop. We got a we got a banger for you this week. Didn't we rename it the Live Book Club? Did we? I don't know. We were thinking about. Well, this doing is essentially it. a book club. We might as well call it a book club. <clears throat> That's what we've been calling it. Yeah. And so it be. It's now a book club. So it be. We want to have the world's largest book club. All right. Yeah. And this week we got a great one. Victor Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning. 16 million copies. This is a beautiful book. There's so much in there. There's there's good information at the surface level. Yeah. And, you know, the deeper you dig, the more there is. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I was blown away. We had an interview with his grandson. Was it yesterday or two days ago? Yesterday. It was yesterday. yesterday. Was it? Oh, my wow. God. Blew me away. Um, he's a filmmaker. His name's Alex Vaselli. And he produced the film and directed uh, Victor and I, which is about his his life. Yeah. Um, I guess probably even before he was imprisoned in Auschwitz, uh, he was a practicing psychologi- uh, psychiatrist. I always mix those up. Uh, and he had this his therapy, this, what he calls logotherapy, which is uh, something that he carried with him into the camp and helped carry himself and many others through that suffering, and that's what the the whole book's about, you know, finding meaning in suffering. Yeah, the idea of moving forward as opposed mm. to going backwards. And uh, Alex, uh, almost, I mean, I would say he's carrying the torch for Victor. You know, he's being invited to conferences, making documentaries about, um, you know, his grandfather. He can, I mean, he's he speaks with, such knowledge about mm-hmm. his teachings and logotherapy, and it was really awesome. I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't um, either. Because we didn't know anything about the guy. Uh, There's not a lot really about sharp. him online. There's not really that much about him other than the documentary. Um, he was this amazing. Like, he's really very, very intelligent. Uh, studied logotherapy himself. I thought he might even be practicing, but he's he just gave some perspective, and the perspective I... I walked away with because I had a call almost right after that with a group of people that were complaining about being stuck in the office for the last couple of months and not being able to go back to work mm-hmm. like is a form of captiv- captivity. And Alex said, everyone has their own Auschwitz, you yeah. know, even though this is by no means the horror and torture and suffering that occurred there, but everyone has their own version of that in their lives. If it's not this, it could be something like that. Yeah, it was an amazing, amazing perspective. I was actually going to ask you guys that this morning because I used that in today's video. Yeah. Did, did he, was he reciting something his grandfather said or did he say that? I don't know. I don't, I, I haven't heard him forget. say that anywhere. It definitely wasn't in the book. It wasn't in the, it also wasn't in the uh, documentary. I, did, I never heard him say that concept, but yeah. the, the belief that this, that suffering is a personal matter and, you know, no one knows the, the, the struggles to, like, if someone's dif- having difficulties with this, you don't know what else is going on in their lives that, yeah. you, know, mean, you know, getting out of the house might be very important to their, their mental health yeah, uh, or, their, or their business health, which, you know, there's always more to the situation than meets the eye. Oh, that is a, a truth. That is always there. There's yeah. always more than what's on the surface. I call it the iceberg under the under the water. That's There's always it, more there when you start peeling the onion back. Can't uh, judge, right? Welcome everybody. We're excited about this book because um, I know I've been using it almost almost immediately as soon as I got into the the first part of the book is about two hours if you're if you're doing it on audio, two and a half hours on the on his experience in the camps, and then about about another hour and a half, so not even more, much more than four hours of, of reading about the, oops, sorry about that, <clears throat> about the, the therapy, the, the therapy of logotherapy. So, you know, how does that relate to business? Uh, I think it relates pretty heavily to business. You know, you got to find meaning in what you do, um, an avenue to meaning. Suffering certainly is one avenue to meaning, um, but there were two others that, that were mentioned, uh, you know, finding meaning through what you do at work or your deeds in life, Finding meaning in an experience, or finding someone in love, mm-hmm. and then and then uh, you know perhaps taking you know a bad thing and making it good, the positive psychology through type. suffering. Yeah, yeah, and and we like because the first book or the first half talks. And by the way, if if anyone's read this, will you let us know in the uh, the chat? That'd be helpful. And obviously, any anything you want to contribute or throw out there, feel free. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first half of the book is. Um, you know, talking about his time in the camp, like right. you said. So, would you say that 
suffering is what shaped his meaning. Because as as a, a spectator, someone from the outside looking in, it seems like that. And then he makes a point at the end that's you know to say, by the way, you don't have to find it through suffering, right? There's those right. other two points you just mentioned, right? Yeah. But it seems like he does. Yeah, he well, he ended up. He was known for suicide prevention, right? And his before and before and after his um, his his work and in, in, in the in the workshop we did with Alex, the interview we did with Alex, he talked about how he brought a suicide rate in a in a in a community. I don't know if, what what country it was in. I think it was in Germany, maybe oh, Austria. maybe it was Austria. Yeah. yeah, it was Austria because he's from Vienna. Uh, brought it down to zero from a from a problematic number by having people connect to. Um, connect meaning to their their um, the reason they may think suicide's the answer, and he, his his coaching wasn't like don't do suicide. He's like, why don't you stick around a little while longer, and then something may find you know something may appear that's that helps you in your journey. Maybe there's a, maybe there's something out there that the world wants you to to mm. see and connect to, uh, stick around type thing, which is really interesting because. You know, as a parent, I know lots of lots, I've known a few folks that had gone through the the horrors of suicide, um, a couple of different times because I had a you know rather big company. So once in a while, someone's child or someone connected to the family or the firm killed themselves, and you know it's just the ripple effect it, it has on the family is remarkable. And I think everyone's so afraid of it, they'll do anything to talk someone out of it. They think that they might have a what do you think? Like a, a feeling that something's off. They're they're just not home, mm. and you try to talk them out of it. And his therapy was that there's something, there's some connection of meaning that you can find. You know, you can put a, a try. Once you find meaning in that, too. By the way, uh, the, the suffering stops. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, I just I just thought it was a very profound because it's such an you know suicide, depression, anxiety, addiction. We had a lot of talk about addiction too with Alex. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was like the, and I guess that was the part that I'd never really thought about, you know, as as someone who created a, a brand and a company called Your World Within, right? He was like, you don't create your meaning or purpose internally. It's out in the, it's externally, it's out in the world. You have to find it. Right. Um, and I just thought that was a, a really interesting way of putting it. Right. And then you have the, 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 the camps of psychology, right? You had Freud, Elder. And what Freud was all about pleasure, and I think is his name Alder or Acker. I think it's Alder. Alder, power. You know the psycho- The purpose of life is is pleasure. Freud. Elder mm-hmm. said power, and and uh, of course Nietzsche philosophy, and uh, Viktor Frankl and meaning. You know, it's all in meaning, which is what's what's important. Yeah, makes you it makes you that yeah. part makes me want because I'm I just finished. Uh, uh, Becker's book, Denial of Death, and he mm-hmm. talks about not pleasure or power, but death being the reason we do things. And it was nice to finally have like a kind of a lighter yeah. rationale for living. It's like, no, the, you know, you have a place in the world. I, I was joking around with Steve earlier. I'm like, I finished reading some of these, you know, philosophers, and I'm like, dude, what am I supposed to do with this? This is tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just such a feel good, and it's great because he takes again this like hell right. on earth and and uses it to create this runway to just such a beautiful concept basically positive psychology was kind of evolved into into that buddha buddhism uh you know is pretty i don't study a lot of it but you know things aren't good or bad they are exactly what they are and nothing more Mm -hmm. actually i posted that about this epidemic um you know it's what you apply to the circumstances that makes the meaning appear yeah and then whatever you want to attach to that as a contribution point to that meaning can be your journey. And I put that on there, and I got, of course, I got backlash. I it was about uh, how Woodstock in 1969, there was a pandemic in Woodstock. Uh, the year, my year of my birth, uh, there was a massive pandemic. 120,000 people died from a very similar thing as this. And they were obviously not social distancing. They didn't create new policy to shut the government down. And, you know, I was just saying... Like with all the political jockeying, I said, you know, at any point, a, p- a politician, a marketer, an advertiser, and everybody will have their view and they'll sensationalize data. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just said it. things are what they are and they're not what they are. They're not, they are what they are and they're not what they're not. Uh, they're, see them as they really are and manage, 
you know, your circumstances. That's so hard to do now, though, because I yelled at, yeah. data's like <laughs> clay. I mean, you can you can use any any set of numbers to say right. whatever you want them to say, right? What is it? Seventy seven point six percent of stats are made up right on the spot. Have you ever heard that joke? <laughs> <laughs> but like in, in such a cluttered, you know, yeah. social environment online, it's like you just don't know what's true. Uh, and it, everyone's point. got a motive and an incentive, and it's it's hard. I think that's why this book is so perfect. Is this is not about data? It's about you know the, your soul and and your 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 life's journey and taking it in snapshots and episodes of of life. Like you've had whatever's ever happened to you, good or bad, has happened, mm-hmm. and those are little parts parts of your movie in your life. And then what hasn't happened yet are going to be more parts. And if movie's a good movie, it'll reveal itself at the end. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're if your um, you know if your path is business um, and most everybody here is or at least considering it, you know how does this book how do you connect the dots from this book to meaning? You yeah, know? it's a it's a it's been a hell of a lot of the time that you that you are awake conducting pro survival activity, which is work. So you hit the lottery if you can attach meaning to that. Or you hit the lottery if that work can free up the time you need to, to, to contribute to your meeting, I think. I got a question. Go for it. I got a question here from Michelle. It says, I have a friend that suffers from depression. She just lost her job due to COVID-19. What do you think Victor would say to her? Ooh. <laughs> wow. Well, let's think. Victor, logotherapy. First things first, he would talk about some type of future-oriented progression right like this is her own auschwitz right if right this is the, if this is the worst thing that's happened to her professionally this is her her auschwitz uh, so her suffering let's pretend it is we don't know that if she's gone through something worse um i mean she's 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 given the opportunity to see it as it is um well he, he refers to suffering as a gas right and right. that's that's the important thing there it's like it doesn't matter what your suffering is, it consumes you, period. Mm-hmm. So your opportunity is to rise above the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I wasn't sure if you stopped or you were in thought or whatever. No, I was, I was in, actually just thinking because this, this is a kind of a business-related mental health issue. You know, you got depression and no, no income. Right. And that those, things can, those things can turbocharge one another. Right. Uh, loss of, you know, financial strain and regular in mental health in general. But it's like you can control what you can. Right, you can't make COVID go away. Right, but what you can do is find the opportunity in the situation, and that's like again, as some dude sitting here talking onto a mic into a microphone like that can be frustrating to hear. But the reality is, there's always whether you're Victor in Auschwitz, finding joy in the little things, or you know our situations, our struggles, losing jobs, family members, issues right. like that. There's just there's something there to cling to and propel yourself. Um, so I guess that's more of a, a, a mindset. Um, it's, it's funny as I, I don't, you know, I never studied, formally studied depression and anxiety. Like depression's kind of a, a, you know, it's a different thing. Anxiety is more of an anxious, you know, an anxious jitter thing. Like I had that more so. And depression's a, you know, you're just tired. So there's. What does it say that specifically in there? She was depressed. Depression. I think. Yeah. She, yeah she said depression. But it still works. I was going to say something similar. Yeah. Like you got to get. I mean, you got to attach some meaning to that, and 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 you know, one of the things that this could be the greatest blessing of her life. Like something else could wait for her out there, and she's got to connect with that hope, right? And and be around the types of people. This is really important. Be around the types of people that will encourage you, and not around the types of other types of people that will pull you into a bigger hole and contribute to or shine a spotlight on everything that's wrong. Right? You know, that's yeah. just as bad. Right. That's what that's what I was gonna say is that Alex was explaining yesterday on the call that uh, Victor always talked about the things you can do because like a lot of the therapy always talks about like trying to fix things just like what you're saying but all the things you can do because there's always something you can do but if you focus mm-hmm. on those little things it creates little wins and then at least you have something instead of just thinking about how to fix 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 there's some things you can take action on mm-hmm. yeah that's so d- oh, we mean go to uh you know we always say joking around but it's like I mean. <laughs> Nothing matters. Yeah. <laughs> like at the end yeah. of the day, like life is is, is peaks and valleys. And, yeah. and when I'm going through my own little hell, whether it's self induced or not, 
you know, I think of that video Steve sent where it's like it's, it shows us here and then it zooms up to show <laughs> the Earth yeah. and then it oh. zooms up to show our galaxy and then it's, and it keeps going up and it's I like, are that. your problems that big? Is that a Google, <laughs> a Google video? Not. I think they have a I Google saw, video, yeah. but there was like the show Cosmos was <clears throat> yeah. with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Was, yeah, he goes, it's crazy. Um, yeah, the, um, I mean, depression treatment, I guess, 101 is eat good, you know, try to revert back to the basics. Eat good, drink plenty of water. Be around, you know, be around people that care about you and and move, you know, try to move, go for walks and stuff like that. And just stay in the game, like Victor talked about with the with the suicide prevention. Perhaps this is a, a good thing, right? Because I've had, I've had people call me all the time and say, oh, I lost my job. And not here, but in a couple here, but more so since, like bigger jobs. And they, I lost this job. Uh, a couple friends of mine lost a company restructured. I think 16 executives got whacked. And like, I was like, man, this could be a very good thing. You can recreate yourself. You can bring something new into existence that never existed before. You can get charged about it. You can visualize it. You can start to make some form of progress towards it. Yeah. Instead of, you know, a lot of times when people are, you know, that's why you never fire someone on a Friday. You always do it on a Monday so they can go do something about it. On a Friday, they get the whole weekend to stew. Right. You know, they go out and get upset. They... You know, sometimes they go out and drink, whatever. And but you know, you got to get back in the game. That's the biggest thing. Ties right into and Steve and I love when you say whacked. Whacked. It's just hilarious. I, like, I don't know yeah. why. It's like the little things, you know. Whacked. Um, <laughs> but he talks about that the existential vacuum where it's like doing nothing is the worst thing mm-hmm. you can do. Dwelling. Right. You know, and he talks about depression. I always feel hesitant to, to touch it because there's some people who are clinically depressed. There's some people who go through waves that's, mm-hmm. you know, a very human thing. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like dabbling, but basically I, he uses it in the book like people that are depressed don't have that. Meaning, like when you when you lose a job, that's your identity. So mm. now you're now put in this existential vacuum or this void where that identity has been ripped from you and you're meaningless. And you know, Victor says, "Look, you know, th- when I tell people, just go volunteer, do start there, do right. something, so you can build up that identity, that sense of purpose, that sense of meaning, and a lot of those symptoms dissipate." You know, it's interesting because uh, I, I think it was on our call with Alex. He said that you know this is a perfectly normal human condition to feel sad and happy, and then tired, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily have to you know identify as that something's wrong with you. You're going through an adjustment. And you don't have to go out and run and get medicine or self-medicate. You can just just feel it and then feel the unpleasantness of having it, which will which will kind of jump you out of it. Yeah. T, talk about tough, um, tough topic. Talk talk about um, the awareness of the cigarette analogy with the logotherapy. Remember that Alex yeah. told us about that story. Tell them about that one because if they haven't heard that interview yet, oh, they haven't. You know, logotherapy um, is about the future and no no connection would be made until you can really internalize it. And there was a cigarette smoker and he wanted to quit and he's tried to quit as many cigarette smokers have. And, and, uh, Victor asked him for, uh, he says, your smoke. He says, um, yeah. He says, do you have cigarettes on? He goes, yes, I do. And he had cigarettes and he was trying to say, why did you quit smoking? Why, why do you want to quit smoking? And he's like, I don't know. And all the, all the, all the normal questions could easily come up. The expense, it doesn't smell good. It's unhealthy. I'm most likely to die. It's bad for my lungs. And then he finally got it out of me. He says, no, I, I want to uh, make sure that my daughter doesn't pick up this nasty habit that I have. And then he said, well, hand me a pack of cigarettes. And he gave him the cigarettes. And he says, do you have a picture of your daughter? And he goes, well, sure. And he put the picture of the daughter. And he, he said, let me have it. And Victor took the picture and put it on the cigarettes and uh, stapled it together mm-hmm. and then handed it back to him. And he said, the guy, the guy took the cigarettes and left and never smoked again. Yeah. He came back a year later with the same pack. Yeah, he had the pack. Yeah, yeah. the same pack with the same stapled picture. I'm not sure it was Victor, though. Hopefully specifically. It, it might have been like a student of him. That did it just, yeah, I don't know. But the story's the same. I'm not sure it's important that you yeah. added that, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Mr. Fact Checker. That's yeah, my job. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're not wearing a, a tank top this week. Yeah. Oh, man. Me and Eddie were going to talk about that. Yeah. About, about uh, <laughs> success, right? He's a chasing success. Talk about what he, remember he said if you chase success? Yeah, yeah. So this is an interesting thing. He's all, he almost says, like, the more you pursue something, the less likely it is to come to you. And when you avoid something, 
you, so for example, like this book, right? He wrote it and he didn't even want to attach his name to it. He wanted it to be anonymous and, you know, his family and friends were like, mm. no, you need to. And he's like, fine. And he, he put it out into the world and it ended up being his bestseller and what de- to, it defined his career and launched the therapy and his, his studies that he cared so much about. It's like success is thinking not about yourself, but about the process bigger than yourself mm. and uh, things sort of transform or transform. But also real quick, I, I, the cigarette thing. So um, I'm, made me think of this cause I'm writing a, your world within video about the, a, a similar concept where like 2017 was one of my roughest years. Mm-hmm. And I went through a stretch where it was like hell for me. Um, and I had trouble getting up early in the morning. Like I used to, where I'd have that energy and I'd run and I'd do all that stuff. And I did a similar thing where I'd have like my phone, I'd put it on the other side of the room and when the alarm clock went off, I'd put like this little CD, like this album that I made right when I quit my job that yeah. like didn't like sell or do anything, but like meant a lot to me. And I'd put it on the thing and that's kind of how I, I started getting back up. And, right. Because that meaning was just so powerful. Sometimes um, doing something like getting up early in the morning. It's my just, little just, just get up earlier. Yeah, just do one thing different to break the uh, monotony. You know, Tony Robbins talks about pattern interrupt. Yeah. Like depression is a pattern. Uh, I mean, we're bouncing around a little bit, but if you talk about meaning or lack of meaning, that's, you know, he used the word connection and loss of connection, right? And that's the, you know, that's the, the magic button. Are you connected to what you do so much so that it isn't work anymore? If it, you know, if it's your work, in, in fact, or are you just disconnected, in which case you'll, you'll, uh, you know, you'll end up living from your things, not for the world. Mm. When you talk about people get so so affluent and they just start living from their things and not for anything. Yeah, right. I think I, think I highlighted that as, yeah. a, as a note in there. Yeah, I people. thought that was interesting. I know a lot of people that do that. They made enough money where they kind of checked out and they really don't do anything. That gets boring real fast. It literally means nothing. Like what you have, which is why it's so funny that it's like constantly on the forefront of everyone's mind more 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 because it's like ultimately it's like who you're with and your purpose in life Mm. make you happy you know like that's truly the source of and if you don't have that as a foundation to build things on yeah i mean to your point that you have nothing um so we you know a lot of times we approach life from the the wrong angle but that's a i mean i guess that's a whole different conversation it's in play if someone wants to talk about it i got a question here what do you got this one's from taylor uh i just lost it uh it was a perspective from the book so it says at one part of the book frankel challenges a woman who stated she was 30 years old to reflect on her life as if she was 80 and dying her he challenges her to live as if her present is in the past and she quotes, live as if you are already living for the second time and as, as if you had acted the first time as wrongly as you are about to act now. And she just says, what are your thoughts on that perspective and that approach to therapy? What do you do? Put the cook in the kitchen? Is that, <laughs> is that the kind of the, the term? Um, I guess we so. We said do that selling insurance. We said put the cook in the kitchen. <laughs> or like uh, almost Charles Dickens, right? I forget that one. Uh, let's say the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. Mm. Kind of that concept. That's I think so. It's kind of like looking at um, the one we used to talk about seeing yourself in the coffin. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I look at it like right. you're just you're you're defined by yesterday. Like right. we all do that. Mm-hmm. Like we we have an idea of who we are because of what we did yesterday, and it's real hard to escape that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you made that jump, you must have experienced that. Your transformation. I remember it was difficult for me, and all I did was leave the corporate world. I'm like, well, my friends know me as this, my family knows me as this. This is what I was. This is how I explained myself. And to like move towards something new almost seems crazy. Yeah, it's hard. But you got to realize, yeah, the coffin thing. Right? When you look back, it's like just the regret. You get. Either inspired or scared into things like that. Yeah. And, you know, that's the whole purpose of connecting to different books. And if you can't get inspired to just step away for a quick second and be more objective about, you know, how you live and, and what that means to you and ultimately what that feels like, because everything, everything ripples down to a feeling. Yeah. Right. Pain shows up in a feeling. Right. And that shows up in your, in your interactions. Um, 
I like that about about this particular book is it just gives you a chance to step away and say, you know, is there something out there waiting for me? Because I think most people operate under the belief that there's got to be more to this than what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, or I have more to give. And it's a, you know, it's a waste. And we talked about, um, with Alex, we talked about um, losses and... I, I called it lost opportunity cost because in, 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 it's an economic term that talks about what you've lost. Uh, it's, the, it's the cost of doing one thing versus what you could have gotten doing something else, which I think is what Taylor had asked. Like, you lived your life this way and got X, but if you lived it, if you look back and you could have done something else, you could have gotten 4X or 5X, like to the point you are at. And yep. then from, the pu- from now forever, you're going to get that benefit. And that compounds. It's like life's lost opportunities, lost opportunity, cost of life. I think that might be what what he meant. Like, what could you have done differently that 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 could have, you know, fulfilled you more? Mm. Right. What, what I like about those questions, when because I've done it to myself, where like you ask like what you want to do at the end of your life, you you you're in a different place. You're and you you think your different thoughts come into your head because a lot of times you're thinking from this current lens of where your life is and what you could do. But then if you think if you're all the way in that spot where you lived, looking back, it completely disassociates you with this present moment to like really mm-hmm. bring a lot of clarity to how you think about your present life now. It's a weird thing. to Even though it feels like you're just visualizing it, by doing that, it really changes what thoughts come in your head. It's cool. So what about visualizing? So like you visualize the future, but you have to... Like how does that tie into his concept where he says, like, when you take emotion, which is suffering, right? He says they're one and the same, and you analyze them or you call them out, you understand them, they cease to exist. So would you say, you know, that's step one in that process of moving towards something new? It's like identifying your current state. Yeah, because when you, I guess, I guess this is the easiest thing to talk about. Like, no one here was in Auschwitz. Even Alex, who spoke amazing about it, didn't t- you know? He, he didn't know what it was like, and no one ever will. But you take something that you know a little bit about, and you compare it to something we all know a lot about because we've been through it. Is this this temporary restriction of our life, mm-hmm. like a form of captivity? Like it really is. Um, I mean, by no means is it a going off to war or all anything. The corona stuff. Yeah, it's, it's like something we're all going through right now. So it's everyone's been inconvenienced, and a lot of people have been d- displaced. One in four Americans are going to be out of work by the end of the month. I mean, this is a massive, massive, massive financial situation. And what Victor uh, reported on in his documentary and in his book, I think he did, that prisoners in captivity, either in Auschwitz or people he talked to that actually in Vietnam and Korea, Mm -hmm. they define their moments in captivity as their greatest growth moments in their lives. You know, they look back on it, and those are the ones that connected that there's a purpose for me to be here. And they're taking a positive psychology spin on, on that. So if you look to today, like what have, what what have you done, or what can you do? This isn't over yet. Like you know, someone said eighteen months today. So all right, let's pretend it's eighteen months or twenty Who months. I don't know. Some, somebody <laughs> did. If it, more, more, if it, more. it either is going to be or not going to be, and we're we have very Monday. Let's we have go. very little control over what it's going to be. What I do know this is that it's already been two months. What what have you done with the two months? Right. The lost opportunity cost on where you are versus doing something else more productive. Like if you lost your job and just said, I'm going to sit it out for a couple months, like a lot of people have done that, and that's perfectly fine, but as opposed to the person that lost their job and went to go do something else right away. Mm. Uh, or they started a new business, and the 60 days that we were home anyway, they've, they've, they've read books, and they've, they've formed companies, and they've learned things, and maybe even they tried to try to start a sale and they flopped and fondled the 25 right. times over, but finally, man, maybe they made their first sale by now. And that's part of the lost opportunity cost. Right. That he talked about. Like that's the, you know, maybe there's meaning in this suffering. That's why I had such an issue with JK Rowling saying like, don't talk about, you know, other people making the most of this time or do it like surviving it is enough. And it's like, of course, and I get the, the, you know, how it's variable and everyone's going through something different, but why wouldn't you look at a situation and see if there's something you can pull from it or gain from it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's the, the way that it's communicated or articulated, but like, 
damn, you're here. Oh, I hate, that was one like I couldn't. When she said that, I was like, who the hell is she to say that? Like to talk everybody out of trying new things. Every, you know, in my, you know, if you know the domino, I talk about a lot of domino. You put it, you store a domino stores energy when you put it down, just like this phone, right? It stores energy. And if I move the, the phone forward, it creates what's called action potential. And if it had another domino the size of this phone, it would keep knocking them over indefinitely. And that's action potential. It's uh, called amplified force. But the domino stores enough energy to knock over 50% more something its own size. Right. So a two-inch domino can knock over a three-inch domino. Um, so in life's lost opportunity of your action potential, if you sit and do nothing, you just forfeited all the benefit from what you could have done more. Right. Not to say you got to be fanatical about it, but you could stretch yourself sometimes. And some people don't. And and I get in big arguments over that, but I like to argue about stuff. <laughs> but it's fun. So I don't care. <laughs> well, that's what yeah. books like these are so... I mean, the the biggest thing I gain from this is perspective. Right. I mean, if, if he can go through what he went through and find a positive, what in what world do I have an excuse? You know, it's it's good it's good to be reminded of that every now and then. Like yeah. he would not ever advocate a victim mentality ever. You know, it's it's yeah, I mean, we don't all have the same hand, but you can always play yours to the best of your ability. It's like the Chris Rock thing that I love saying again and again and again. It's like you sit in your car, and you know he's broken down on this. Have I told you this? No. He's on the side of the road. He's broken down, and cars are going by, and he's pissed. He's like, why aren't they helping me? I'm sitting here. I'm broken down. Like, I need help, clearly. What's wrong with humanity? But then he gets out of the car, and he starts pushing it, and what he finds is people pull over to help him push. And it's like the, the universe wants to, the world wants to help people that help themselves. Oh, but wow. you have to get out and start pushing the car. Um, That's a good story. Yeah, it's it's impactful, right? I mean, and there's a real tie into that. So we're, we have a book club here, right? Entrepreneurs, a lot of people maybe don't want to ask questions. First of all, my encouragement is there's any question about any book, you know, during this hour is perfectly fine because the books look, is you're stacking knowledge, right? And we put them in an order, I think, that is something that you could consider you know, uh, we curated them. We, we 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 showed you what we think you should see early, and and we're showing you books as we find out about them. But where would you put this book, Eddie? Of all the books, we've done about twenty five or six books now. Where would you put this in the order of reading if you're going to be an entrepreneur? Definitely in the top ten, maybe the top five. Yeah. I mean, I just I believe. Well, what so order so. of reading? What syntax? Um, towards the beginning with. Um, you know, finding your purpose. Um, so we had like the alchemist places you'll go and yeah. dump it right in there. Like, the, yeah. you know, right from the beginning, ground one, starting, you know, looking out at the future. You see? I'd probably put it up front as well because then you could uh, endure anything. And it's like, that's the biggest takeaway from this book is like, even though like you find suffering and meaning and everything is that if he was able to do it in that worst possible place, it for one makes your current situation not nearly as bad, but it's like you can not only find get through what you're going through because if someone could get through that, you can get through whatever you're going through because it's literally never going to be as bad. And also, um, you could also find meaning in that too. So if you're able to find meaning in that terrible of a situation, you could find meaning in your current one. So that's like, if that's uh, close in the front part of your brain, whatever you want to call it, awareness, of that concept, you could like you always find meaning in some struggle. Mm. Yeah, but I, like I would put it, I'd put it first. Yeah, boom. Yeah, you really liked it. It's my favorite book. This is my number one now. Boom. And I walked away. I have a lot of books, and I always have a hard time. I like a lot of books. This is my favorite book because I think if you're talking business, it supersedes every other. You know, the meaning in in life, man's search for meaning. Is a, is a never-ending journey, and as you grab knowledge and meet people and do things and fail, suffering's a, you know, your constant companion. Mm -hmm. And finding meaning in the suffering, like I remember knocking on doors, right, getting cut from teams, and you know, striking out or dropping the ball. All the things I've done over the years, you know, of course, at the very end of my journey, getting sick and and, and having to be sick in front of everybody, that was very hard for me. Went from a CEO to a you know someone that was you know terminally ill, going to die from a you know from a bad habit. That was hard, but there's meaning in all those things that are that are that are useful. But if you are you aware, if you're aware that there's meaning out there, you know if you do nothing other than talk about it, your your antennas will be up. 
instead of like automatically being upset, you can go to, well, there's something here. Maybe it means something to me. Mm. Yeah, step one is, is always believing in yourself. Before you do anything, you have to believe the pursuit is worthy of your time and possible. I think it's that simple, right? You don't start anything unless you see the ideal outcome as a possibility. Right. And that's the theme of this book, kind of painting that picture. Um, are you... I, I have something, yeah, I was going to say. Well, yeah, one thing, uh, <laughs> trying to wait for my time to chirp in. Uh, sure. What was I going to say? <laughs> one piece I don't think we touched on that was really interesting from this book and other books that are about finding meaning, uh, finding your purpose, was that they always find it in something bigger than themselves. Like, it's never like they find meaning. It's about them, but it's not... They always find it in something else. The cigarettes right. was the girl. His was to help people in therapy. And, like... Apple was like challenging the status quo. It's always in something grander. So when the depression one, it reminded me of that question we got is maybe that person uh, starts to f- try to help someone else in depression. If they can't even fix themselves, they just start fixing someone else's, or not fixing, I shouldn't say that, but helping someone else out of depression just out of a pure kindness because I think that would be outside of yourself is a big uh, factor to finding your purpose. Hmm. Yeah, that is a commonality. You're going to see in our next book, Drive, this is going to be an interesting... Um, exercise because this is about what's called motivation 3.0 and it, and you know which is three forms of motivation the first one is pure survival like humans are motivated just to survive and not die from starvation and getting killed by a, a predator and then there was uh, basically the punitive survival mode motivation 2.0 if you don't do this you'll get that type thing which was uh, not punitive but it was very very clear and that's the one we're kind of in. And the new, f- the new motivation, which is 3.0, which is called flow. You know, trying to put people in flow. This is a business book. While they're working and to make them more happy and productive. And I'll be curious to see when someone is in flow, like they're doing something that time just doesn't pass. It's just timeless. And you enjoy it. And, you're, you know, music, art, you know, I don't know, you know whatever you end jumping. up doing, eating, eating lettuce and jumping, whatever. <laughs> Whatever it is you do, but you're in flow. But I wonder what, how flow will connect to meaning. You know, I know. Like I guess, I guess my what came to mind was people like Martin Luther King, Gandhi, um, Nelson Mandela, and then Steve Jobs. Like Steve Jobs, I wonder. I know he's in flow for sure. Did he have meaning in what he did? Of course. Maybe. How do you know? I read his biography. <laughs> how do you know that's true? In the, <laughs> in the book uh, "Living in Flow." which maybe we'll do, it's by Sky Nelson Isaacs. One thing he says about getting into flow is you have to be your very authentic self to get into that flow state, the same flow state you guys are talking about. Um, So I think that he also says that uh, purpose, he says very similar to Frankel, where purpose is not something you go after, it's something that you find in the moment. So I think to get into flow, uh, I think you get... You, it's kind of simultaneous. If you're able to get into flow, that means you're being authentic with yourself, which means you're finding purpose, being yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a way to get into flow. Similar. Oh, yeah. It's like what we talk about with the algorithm. Which one's that? Create for yourself, yeah, not the algorithm. Yeah, so tough. Well, the, the, the book here um, connected to, these are all connected, in fact. Like the, the, the same quote keeps popping up. Uh, the who has a big enough why can endure anyhow mm. is... Um, the, the, the concept of flow as a, as a cure to uh, unhappy workers. Like 80% of the people right now are self-identifying as having some form of dissatisfaction at work. It's very high. It's going to be even higher now, of course, because many of those people are out of work now. Mm. And it's because they're not in flow. One, you know, one simple answer, like we're having them do algorithmic things that machines are going to ultimately be doing. And they don't, if they're doing it, it's monotonous. And they don't enjoy it. They're not getting, uh, and, and, and like, it's like the Rubik's Cube. You know, a lot of people had way more fun trying to figure it out on their own, playing with it, than they did, you know, once they had, the, there was a code going around that you could follow the directions and break the code. I mean, what the hell fun is that? What's the point? <laughs> Who yeah. gives it? It's like cheating these video games these kids buy, and they buy these video games to get extra weapons. They didn't earn them. Like They just ruined and robbed themselves of <laughs> all the freaking flow. Talk about a pivot. <laughs> like, but it's the same thing. Like yeah. why, would you, why would you cheat the game to, to, to rob yourself of that enjoyment? Yeah, I, agree. I mean, I don't like the games themselves, but clearly it creates flow because kids can play that shit for 10 hours. Not even bad an eyelash. Oh, man. Uh, I, the key is if you find flow in something that's meaningful to you, I think it would be the really million-dollar question or objective. Even when I was doing meaning, you know... I, like I remember being in 
you know, year one right out of college with this company and I'd have to like go through data and stuff. But even knowing the why, to your point, like mm. makes it manageable because you feel like you're helping paint a bigger picture. You're not just a monkey. I had an interesting type in a time in, uh, in corporate when I was doing uh, things. It's like I was doing IT work, database stuff, mathematical things. And I like math and I've always been like decent at it. That's kind of why I went that route. And I remember one day where I always like could find meaning in it. Mm-hmm. But it was like I would do a task that was very hard with mm-hmm. database and weird data. And I, I took me a while to like figure out this problem, but I had to get it done because it was my job. And then when I got it done, I felt a sense of satisfaction, but it felt like 1% of what I could potentially do because I've made videos that did well or made raps even that felt good or something, right? Or even life coaching when I coached a mm. client because I was doing it on the side. I was like, man, I could find flow in this job, but it was like such a small feeling. I was like, I, I don't want to settle for just like this tiny little, because I was like, I was almost afraid because I'm like, if I get focused and good at this, I can see myself getting good at this job. And it was almost scary because I'm like, this is like, it felt like there was no meaning to it. It was like, I can get good at this, but then what does that mean? I helped the company do what? I don't even know. It right. was just like make money. And I was just like, that has no meaning to me. Because they were motivation 2.0. They're giving you a bonus yes. or some kind of, or letting you keep your job if you do it. Like that's not what flow is. Uh, the big example that he'll ha- he has in chapter one is uh, Encarta, which was Microsoft's encyclopedia. You know, when Microsoft released Windows 95, when you were like two years old, they had the best uh, encyclopedia, the best writers, the best everything. They built, and it was in it was in a volume of discs instead of the the old encyclopedia was a full entire bookcase full of books. Right. So they got it down to like twenty five discs, and then at the very same time, Wikipedia started, and Wikipedia was all volunteer. No one got paid. They just did it because they liked it, and people would write and correct and argue over facts, and it created this massive library. That's now the most used encyclopedia in the world. It's helping helping people get through college every day. Yeah, it's flow, <laughs> and that's 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 what it is. But be, you know, awesome. finding finding meaning and flow those book those books will be cousins. I think someone said depression and anxiety are cousins. I think the answer to that is meaning and flow. Yeah, all that uh, makes sense. Yeah, if you get you get out of it. I was gonna make a joke about one, but I haven't, I haven't cracked it yet. But one point survival. The first day of the lockdown, when you're joking around, you're like outside my house, and you're like, "I got, I got uh, oh, groceries in the back and a gun. Let's go." Oh, I, what <laughs> I was like, "What's going on?" I thought you were talking about the bank. <laughs> I went and got some cash. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> I was like, no. "Well, um, you know what? I have a, how many people? Whoever's online, uh, if you have a business problem of any, of any of any uh, level, and you want commentary on business issues of any level." Finding new customers, being stuck, having marketing challenges, you know, ask them, ask questions. We're here, uh, want to get a little interaction with people about, you know, how to get those questions. You know, because you know, if you have, if you find meaning in something and you go on a journey, you might not find, you might not be that easy of a journey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, So, why was this one a little more impactful for you than start with why? Uh, well, th- this one, this one, it directly attaches suffering to, you know, to a to a meaning to to a, you know, I I always knew, that I you know I lived a, a a pretty pretty high level of suffering and I could have very easily gone back to a very comfortable world that I could have been like that person that didn't have to work and I could have not you know I was just in a position to do that something I was very good at that I could have done at very high level forever. But it didn't have any. There was nothing to it. It didn't give me any excitement, and I wanted a more more meaningful use of the second chance that very few people get, mm-hmm. including him. I mean, only one in twenty eight people survived Auschwitz. You know, I had alcoholic liver failure, so uh, the likelihood of me surviving that was low. And people die every day because there's not enough organs, and so I got one. And the way I got it was kind of a miracle. So when I was reading things, I was internalizing my own Auschwitz yeah. with the journey I went on and now all of a sudden I get, you know, I get that, that furlough at the end. I'm like, well, all of a sudden I'm out. I was like, wow, what do I do? And, you know, I didn't want to go, you know, I lost a lot of weight, so I didn't want to go buy new suits and go back to work. I wanted to recreate myself. And that was kind of my meaning, but my meaning isn't in me. It's going to be in helping people. You know, I helped a kid that's brand new to, uh, this, this past week in, in, you know, consulting gig. And he went from nothing to something. And now he's from something to 
like a high level. Like he's very, very likely in a very short period of time this kid's going to go from nothing to significance. And it was just because he, he heard and accepted a few ideas and then he implemented them. And he tried them and failed and tried them and failed. You know, and he, he, you know, he, was, he used to do something completely different. I'd love to mention his name, but I, I didn't get his permission. Yeah. But it, it was exciting to me. I, got, I, I mean, I didn't get paid any differently for teaching him. I just got more energy out of that. So it's different context, but it hits home for you because it's a very similar hero's journey. Right. You yeah. know, it's almost like... It is. Again, it's almost like you feel guilty comparing anything to Auschwitz, but there's right. so many parallels. That's um, why, you know, he talked about Viktor Frankl, and it was helping people with addiction and helping people preventing suicide and depression, like in the 20s. Yeah. And then the irony was his therapy was in his pocket when he reported to camp. He had writings in his pocket. And he's going to try and hide it and keep his life's work. And they, they, and right away, they snagged it from him and destroyed it. So he was kind of just taking little pieces of paper and putting his dream back together <laughs> while he was being like legitimately tortured and seeing the worst of the worst. And he kind of got out, came out of the other side. And he says, now I got to tell this story and teach and lead and learn. That you was know? his why. It was awesome. Yeah. And like to your point, Steve, like both start with why in this book they're both you know Nietzsche's he who has a why can overcome anyhow but this to your point I mean it's it's I found start with why incredibly impactful but it's it's always different when you're taking a corporate setting versus again you're being pulled into someone's personal agony and transcending suffering it just repaints the picture in a way that helps you remember it's like much more meaningful than um, you know, hearing why Motorola fell off the map, even though that's important. They're just apples and oranges. That's kind of my thoughts on that. I like, I, I would like to find more books, more nonfiction books that have real stories in them. Those are more fun for me. They're hard to find. Nonfiction? Yeah, like The Alchemist. Well, yeah. The Alchemist is, 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 I don't know what the hell you would call that, <laughs> fiction, right? A journey. Well, it's, a, it's kind of a how-to book, but told through a character. There's, there's, there's somebody behind the alchemist. You know that. There's a real, of I'm course, sure, yeah, yeah. A real character. Yeah. Every book has, like, what was the one? Was it, what is it that was? I just, I'm like, I'm gonna pull. Oh, sorry, uh, John Green's book. I'm like, I'm gonna pull a random fiction book, something Alaska, looking for Alaska. Uh, it's about like little kids in boarding school. Boys in the boat. And I read that. Well, boy, boys in the boat's uh, uh, true. Oh, it's a yeah, yeah. It's about an Olympic team. Yeah, but uh, I just remember like the little kids in boarding school, and I'm like, yeah, but there's still so many life lessons yeah. from this. Like thing, the Martian. Right? I, I've, I've taught from the Martian more, by the way, folks. I've taught more from this book than any other book so far. That's awesome. In the last yeah. two months because, you know, people are a force to adapt to a new world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In business, like some some companies didn't close, but they moved everybody home. So they said, "I don't have these resources. I don't have this. I don't have that." Let's read the Martian, <laughs> figure it out. So Terry, why do you think this is sticks in people's minds better, or it's more because it is? It's an actual story. It's an it's an interesting story about a character that that ha, is it that chances of survival are very low. And there's, there's obvious, uh, you know, it's the classic hero's journey. You know, you have a character that's got a problem, and then he goes through a journey, and he has setbacks, and then this guy had millions of them, and then he, he used his resources and got clever and figured it out and returned, you know, back to the win. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, people want to see that in life. They want to see conflict. Uh, yeah. They want to see overcoming adversity because we're all suffering. That's why I, I connected this book. You know, you look at it um, and say, wow. Like it's a different way to look at the pain that you're going through, or helping someone else. I had a couple of people already asked me, "Is this going to be a good book for my friend?" I've had like three people already ask me that. Really? Yeah, I have friends that are depressed. I have friends that are upset. They're lost. They're not. They're not connected. They have no meaning. Some of them are doing drugs, alcohol, just sad. Like books are a great way out of that, you know, in any way. And if you can't read the whole book, take a, you know, take a little bite of one. Through Blinklist. Blinklist is eight minutes. They could also listen to our podcast. Ah, I know. <laughs> you don't have, some people don't have 40 minutes anymore. <laughs> I was like, I'd like to, you know, what are you going to make it, 10 minutes? We have our little 
short videos now, our little trailers, our first one, oh, and next Eddie, one's coming out Monday. Where do you hear the one Eddie did for uh, the, this this, the writing on this? is remarkable on this, on this search, this meaning book. Yeah, this will be Fantastic. good. I have a switch-up question for you guys that I was shocked by. Um, remember when we watched a documentary? I did not expect uh, Victor Frankl to be such a captivating speaker. Like, every time he was, like, speaking, wasn't it just amazing? I was wondering, hey. did you think... I don't think I've ever seen a more likable, selfless guy. Yeah. Just like what? Well, it just made me. It, he's like sets the bar so high. If there's anything you take from this, it's that. You know, yeah. if you even remove his attitude and how he was a leader and an example during the the situation he was in, but coming from that, mm. um, you know, not not wanting to charge people, helping people who needed help, not doing it for fame, wanting to be anonymous, having his secretary, uh, you know, do his book deal because oh, he didn't even want to be yeah. involved <laughs> in it. Just like he's every, you know, and and no one's perfect. There, I'm sure there are some things that weren't there, but like he's just overall such a standard for how we should live that I feel like it's impossible, you know? Yeah. Did you see the guy that cut his, he said he didn't know how to cut a book deal and Victor's yeah. like, just cut the deal. Just do it, man. <laughs> it's it's guy, he cut the deal in this book, 16 million copies. Yeah. Not a bad first try. I got a great question here. Sure. This one's from Tal, Talha. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Tala. <laughs> Guys, what book do you recommend, what book do you think should be best to enhance and rather embrace creativity? I think that's your that's your wheelhouse. Creativity. Well, let me think about it. Oh, Steve's got no, no, some. No. Well, I was just going to say Drive. I just started Drive, and we were talking about oh, it earlier. Really? It's really good for creativity. I haven't read it yet, though. Yeah, that's the only thing. Let me think about that for a second, because I, I I don't want to I don't want to mess this up. I want to get this drive? right. What I liked about Drive was that for when they have a goal, he was saying Motivation 2.0. You have a goal, and you mm. try to reach that outcome. But the book started off with different ways how motivation 2.0, setting that goal, can actually inhibit your creativity because it narrows your focus to try to achieve that goal instead of being totally open to all the possibilities of the different thoughts you can have. And I thought that was awesome. Hmm. Yeah, it was really cool. I know. That's a tough one. It may be. It may be. Oh, do you have You some? know why? Why? Well, you're naturally creative, so you're gonna have, you don't have to... Like, some people... Aren't. I'm trying to connect the dots. I feel well, like you, you, but creativity f- is uh, will flow through some people. Some people need a primer. Yeah, you know. Um, it, I guess. I guess if he maybe he can go a little further. What industry? Maybe he can give us a little more data. Um, you know, just in creativity. I mean, you look at you know file books like uh, the Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs by Carmine Gallo. Yeah. He talks about Jobs. Jobs has always always been. You know, a creative dude, and, and Bill. You know, go to Bill Gates. Go to um, you know people that have kind of changed the world with creativity. You know, um, Jeff Bezos. He's got the book, The Everything Store. Biographies. Yeah, I mean, we haven't read that one yet. I just I buy his shit all the time. <laughs> like I'm definitely a client. My instinct is because I I think of creativity in the macro and the micro. Mm-hmm. You might think this is so corny but okay. like the macro and the micro as a journey so the macro trying to figure out what it means and how you're going to give yourself to the world in a way that mm-hmm. people resonate with and the micro like i've never been in any creative endeavor where there wasn't ups and downs where there wasn't a valley of despair where i didn't look at the work and think this is trash and there's no value and you have to sort of move past that so like i that's where i'd point you like the places you go or the alchemist where it's like searching for meaning right or brian cranston has a a biography called life in parts which is i always refer people to actors because they just the idea of being an actor and just being turned down again and again and again and again and again and again. And they get that one shot. Right. <laughs> and it's just you learn to, to deal with rejection, but um, absorb it as part of the bigger picture. So I think, I don't know, I'll, I'll think more about it, but that's probably where I'd point people. There's a, there's a, a book called Blue Ocean that I think we're probably going to at some point read. You love that book. Well, I just like the idea. It just says, uh, where is everyone? Where's You say, if you look at the Red Ocean, which is where all the competitors are, yeah. And then you look at world problems. If you if you went and, and listed all top ten world problems, I did this exercise by the way once. And I got a lot of feedback on it. I googled the top ten world problems. So if you do that, there's going to be hunger, pollution, terrorism, war, government issues, uh, poverty, education. Uh, there was there was ten, and I and I put a check next to ones that I think I can contribute to. So I came up with. Um, 
education, poverty, uh, education, and um, there was another one. Actually, there was obesity was in the top ten, by the way, worldwide. But I can I can handle education and and and, and financial literacy. So teaching people to learn to earn has been one of the drivers in why I'm doing what I'm doing now. I don't know whether or not that will help you be creative. It's certainly not a book. It's definitely an exercise. And if you find the problems, look at the red ocean where everybody's, where the the 11-year-olds are playing soccer, where all the 11-year-olds are around the soccer ball. One kid that's not around the ball out here is where the blue ocean is. (laughs) Build a business around that blue ocean or a meaning, meaningful path. Solve a big problem, you'll have a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of feedback. Yeah, for the That's world. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to look into that. We got five minutes. I was gonna say, um, when it comes to creative things, it depends how you want to be creative. Like, I would say go to books. I don't really know of books off the top of my head, but if you if I when I read a book that tells a good story or has a great idea, it makes me want to write. But if I listen to a song that I really like, it makes me want to write music or make music and same with like something I see like a, a photo it makes me want to do that so I would say explore the different creative outlets and then see if you get inspired by that because that's what really inspires me and I think it's when you see something really good then you also learn what how you want to express yourself if it's writing if it's video whatever it is yeah it's a great point I can't I just googled it cheating because <laughs> the camera's on Steve for a second <laughs> I, th- I see it a bunch of books but none of them I've ever even noticed I think that's it. By the way, why don't you write that book? Yeah. <laughs> if you if you have any creative juice, um, you know that'd be a great book to curate. There's not a lot of books on the topic. Uh, the the book that I would also recommend is the Compound Effect too. Even though it's all about mm-hmm. like decision making and tiny little tasks, because if you do one thing and you schedule it, planning mm-hmm. out for creativity, it'll help you find time to do it. And when you practice it, oh, Seth Godin said this. When you have a uh, writing, it says, "Let me see your." I have writer's block. It's, he says, let me see your bad writing, and the person doesn't have any. So another thing is just constantly write a lot or act on the creativity you feel, and then you you have all this bad writing that you can refine or you can just practice. But she has a follow-up, actually. So this is... This, uh, who does? Oh, yeah. One. She's currently 17. I was I just, yeah. wasted my life a few years ago pursuing perfect grades. Before I know it, the kid in me had sort of fallen asleep. I've gotten back to enjoying art and writing. There you go. It's been almost a year, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, that's why I want to learn more and more about creativity. It's sort of something that he questions out of instinct. That's so yeah. So he's he wouldn't trade it for anything. Kind of got back into art and writing, but after pursuing grades. Well, I didn't even think about it at the time, but there's a there's a TED talk by Mihal Csikszentmihalyi, and he wrote a book called Flow. And that the book about flow is also mentioned in Drive. And when you are in flow, and a lot of people get flow through modalities, the modality of yoga, Pilates, jogging, any, any type of thing that's a, a recurring thing, uh, you get downloads. Like the world gives you a download when your brain's free of, of noise. So that'd be a good book too, Flow by uh, Mihaly well, Chik. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. Uh, but there's a 17-minute TED Talk yeah. called Flow. Sums it up nicely. Really nicely, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. The, right. the more I think about it, dude, I think like you, you're right on the spot. Like books, and it feels like sinning to even say this, but books imply structure. Yeah. And so, I, I guess that's why as a creative, there'd be like a lack of like your first instinct would not be to go learn how procedurally. Mm-hmm. It's like truly something that comes out of self exploration. Yeah. So I think you're you're right on the money. Cool. Yeah. I, when I read books, I definitely get inspired and feel creative, but it's mostly to write or do what they say in those books. Like it says, like the one thing I'm looking at. It says like find the one thing you can do. It makes me like feel like oh I want to brainstorm on that. But that's just basically the the idea that they gave in the book. It's not really like makes me want to go write music or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Sam Walton used to say stroll the aisles. You know, this go. guy had a billionaire. He'd be in other countries, and he'd be r- strolling the aisles of other stores. And travel lets you do that. It's not a book again, but if you want to f- prime the creative pump, either travel. If you can't travel, visit travel uh, sites and learn about other cultures and see what people are buying, see what problems they're having, and the creative juices will flow. Oh, cool. Um, so that's another one. Got a minute left. Anything you want to... We got the interview we dropped today with Alex. If you want to check it, it's on all platforms. And it's on our website, bookstobusinesspodcast.com. You could just click podcast episodes. This will be... If you're watching this and you want to follow up, it'll be out tomorrow, the full thing. 
So if you missed the first half or anything like that, anything else? I just want to say, if, uh, if, if possible, share our episodes. Uh, you know, shout us out if you think something's great. Getting the ball rolling is, is part of the journey. And you know, we're past uh, that emotional cycle of change. You know, we went through the valley of despair, and <laughs> now we're getting good feedback. But right. now we want to get uh, kind of virality on getting a lot of people connected to books. Um, and this, you know, our format is we drop an episode in our show every Tuesday. We record it Monday night. When available, we have an, an author interview that we drop that week, and we do this live book club Thursday night. Yep. It's a great way to learn uh, to connect. Uh, I have, I don't know if it's going to uh, automatically end at 9 o'clock, but I have one comment to read to end it off because it was just a very great comment from a new listener. So this is KJ. He says, this is my first podcast. Just mm -hmm. want to thank both of you for your clear thinking and direction. I've been trying to listen and add some value at some point. I don't know of a book title at the moment, but I feel I've worked for myself along for my wife for almost 20 years. The only thing I can share is make your goals realistic and attainable. And I just really liked that. That's so powerful stuff. Thanks, right, KJ. Great hearing from you. Yeah. Have a great night. Take, Take care, care, guys. Appreciate you joining. Bye.